there's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. There's a spirit. And the Texas Tech Red Raiders, for the second time in three years, are headed to the College World Series. Welker takes it at the 11. New routines pave the way. Welcome in, everybody, to the Talking Tech Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Rodriguez, my co-host, Tristan McGonigal. Tristan, how you doing today, man? I just need to remind everybody that John Denver went to Texas Tech and not West Virginia. Yeah, he did. But I'm doing Every- well, man. I uh, we were, we're champions of the weekend, and I'm feeling pretty good. There's a lot to talk about on this episode, so uh, feeling well. You? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. That baseball series was great against West Virginia. Very chippy, though. Uh, A lot of hit batters. Uh, I thought, you know, there was going to be some bullpen action. Everybody leaving the leaving the trenches to go for a fist fight in game three. But uh, we won it in Morgantown, which is good because our baseball team was kind of looking rough there at at away games. So I'm glad we picked this uh, picked this series win up against West Virginia. But um, yeah, man, just, I mean, I watched game two pretty much all the way through and there was, I, I don't know, there was a stretch in like the sixth inning or something where like tech had four guys that got hit by balls and it was like, guys, what's going on here? Yeah. It, that's, that's what I saw over all over Twitter. I was able to catch the first game, but unfortunately I had a weekend plan. So I had to miss the other two. Um, but every time I checked Twitter, it was just like what I saw West Virginia tweets complaining about tech players talking trash and I saw like all the replies were like, stop hitting our players then. So yeah, it, it, yeah. interesting, interesting uh, uh, battle there, but I'm glad that we got the series. It would have been nice to get the sweep, um, but hey, whenever you're on the road in, a, in the Big 12, you're, you're happy to get out with some series wins, especially with the situation that our team is in with the hurt pitchers um, and in, other injuries. So even with this beat up team, we're still looking, looking like we're a, a real threat and not only in the Big 12, but in the nation. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, the the injuries are piling up, uh, unfortunately, w- with the pitching, especially. Um, and then we've got we've had guys in and out of the lineup pretty much all year. Uh, you know, Drew Baker just got back, uh, and he's back into the lineup. But you know, it's just kind of we bring in this bullpen, and and Tim Tadlock has a group of guys that he trusts to keep it rolling. So um, you know. It's it's just going to be hard with all these injuries piling up. The bullpen's getting shorter, and so we just got to go out there and, and get you know get these freshmen in there. They're probably going to be playing some big games here coming up soon. So um, let's just let's just not get more injuries, man, because it's been stupid. Our our baseball team is just riddled, man. I feel yeah. like it's the same thing every season. Our baseball team just gets riddled with these injuries that are just backbreaking. But I really hope that this isn't the uh, isn't the death bell for us because it looks like it didn't slow us down much in Morgantown. The great news that is, you know, while we may struggle with pitching a bit, we're lucky that our batters do not miss. So no, these dudes, <laughs> these dudes are so good. Like when I see like Drew Baker, Cal Conley, Jace Young, all back to back to back, and it's like holy moly! Like they're, like that. All three of these dudes have a chance to hit it for four hundred feet out of the park. Like. It's insane, uh, but I'm really I've really been happy with how our offense has been. Uh, we made some errors in the loss uh, to West Virginia. I think it was game two, um, so we got to clean some of the some of the fielding up. But you know we'll get it going as the season progresses. I'm having a lot of fun just watching this team. So I For mean, sure. lots of runs are fun to watch. Uh, so we're definitely a team to watch, and we're into that. So we're hitting the dingers, and we're we're putting some points on the board. And I hope I hope uh, he keeps putting it on the board. So. <laughs> yeah, for real. And we got uh, some big time matchups coming up. Uh, we got an OU series. We have a Baylor series and then the Texas series. Of course, Texas right now leading the big 12 in baseball. Um, they're number four, I think in the nation. So uh, that's going to be a huge one in Austin, uh, kind of a, a revenge revenge game. It's going to be the first time we played UT since Chris Beard left. Um, so I think the baseball team going to have a little chip on their shoulder as well for that one. 
Absolutely. I think, I think our fans are going to be there packing that, oh, that yeah. field and just, br- you know, bringing it up. I feel like there, I feel like there may be a fight about it. There may be a fight or two in the stands during that series, man. I, I wouldn't doubt it, but uh, you know, baseball is usually a little more chill of an atmosphere, but I, I do hope we come out and just pile it on the horns. Cause one, obviously they're number four in the nation and I would just look boost our resume and look great. And obviously we're beating the in-state rival, but it would just it would feel really good emotionally as well. Yeah, man, absolutely. So baseball uh, with a big time series win. We also beat Stephen F. Austin, I believe, yes, uh, in a in a little two game series. Um, the Jacks uh, in midweek a bit a couple times. They did. We had to hit a we had to hit kind of a walk off single by Cal Conley to uh, uh, drive in the first win. Then the second win, I think we won pretty handedly. But uh, yeah, man. So a couple series wins. Let's get a couple more. Keep on rolling. Absolutely. Not worried about baseball. Let's just hope. Uh, Hope we do what we do. No doubt. No doubt. But let's go to the spring game because the uh, Texas Tech football team held their annual spring game, uh, did not get one last year because of COVID. So they kind of went all out this year. They had a little fan, uh, kind of a fan experience before the game. They had some live music and stuff like that. So that was cool to see in, uh, you know, as we move past uh, this era of COVID and get some fans back into the stadium to watch Texas Tech so that was cool had a pretty good turnout and uh, we kind of saw this this coming year's team uh, for the first time showcasing their talents and I think there was a lot of good stuff that came out of it absolutely I think a lot of our fans are gonna be like hopping to the notable things like what quarterbacks are gonna be in the in the starting lineup Uh, I think it still looks like Tyler uh, is gonna be our starter Uh, Columbia obviously in the mix there but I think it's uh, I think he's gonna be the second string along with the surprising thing is Donovan Smith got on the th- out there for the third time, but uh, McIver hasn't made it out at all. Yeah, I mean, even Baron Morton got a series in the spring game, and Maverick McIver was a no-show. So I, you know, I, I just expect the guy to transfer. I'm, I'm surprised. You know, keeping five quarterbacks on your roster probably isn't something we want to do anyway. So I think you know, during this transition time from, from spring to the fall, I think we're going to see one or two of those quarterbacks drop out, you know, leave for a different opportunity because if you're not getting reps in the spring game, man, I mean, you've been here for three years now, this is coming into your third year. Uh, I just don't see a reason why he would stay, but um, yeah, the other core, all the quarterbacks look pretty solid. Um, Columbia took the first team reps had the first uh, drive of the game. Uh, and I don't think he did much throughout it. Uh, I know they kind of ran some trick plays and stuff like that. And there ended up in some turnovers, but uh, Shuck was impressive uh, from what I've heard. Unfortunately, the game was not televised. So a lot of us outside of Lubbock could not see it. Uh, we got to see some highlights here or there, but it would have been nice to see the entirety of these series and these drives and how comfortable these guys look. But from what we've heard from the local media and guys that were there, Shuck had a pretty good uh, outing in the spring game, and Donovan Smith looked good as well. Uh, from watching the highlights, dude, Donovan Smith is massive. The dude's like 6'5". He's huge. It's a really interesting product that we have on the team. He's just is so sleepy because no one's ever brought him up, really, on like a big scale. But everyone in Lubbock loves him. Yeah, uh, that He's definitely the hometown kid. And people have nothing but good things to say about him. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays. Is he even the second string? Maybe even you know who knows, man. Um, you know, is he gonna be mixed in there? So it's 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 interesting to watch. I think our quarterback room is really impressive. I think our offense showed out in an impressive way. They won against the defenses, which is how our spring game is set up. It's offense versus defense. So I, I our receivers look awesome. So I'm glad that our quarterbacks will have some weapons to work with. That's really exciting because obviously in a uh, a Cumbie system, you're going to expect some more, uh, hopefully, core back to wide receiver connections that are a little deeper than a slant, you know, to the to a yeah. quick out, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice having these tall receivers, and we'll get to some of the injury updates uh, here in a bit. But uh, I was kind of going through the roster, and dude, all of our receivers, we have our slot guys, we have guys like McLean Mannix and Dalton Rigdon still on the team, shorter guys, but. The wideouts, man, like Ezukama 6'3", Trey Cleveland 6'4", Loic Fungi 6'4", uh, J.J. Sparkman 6'4", and then the new guy, Jaran Bradley 6'5", like, and then we have these massive tight ends as well. We have a really, really tall 
group of receivers and tight ends this season. So it's, it's weird because usually when you're watching Texas tech and they're facing off against an OU or something, all of our guys are significantly shorter. So it's going to be good seeing guys that kind of tower over these other defensive backs in the big 12. Well, I'm glad we have a coach that can finally take advantage of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, we were Texas tech, you know, we, we were famous for throwing the ball downfield to our receivers. So yeah. where have all these giants been? There have been some notable names like Antoine Wesley, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and TJ Vash, Vash, yeah. guy too, yeah. Um, but you'd think it would just be like commonplace for us yeah. to have these big guys. But I guess on the same flip of the coin, some of our most famous players of all time have been small little receivers as well. For sure. So, Wes Welkers and the Amendolas. So it's it's kind of crazy to see uh, see that mixed in. But I'm happy. I'm, I'm with you. I'm happy to see us kind of modernize our game um, to a, to the Big 12 standard. Because that's been a big complaint in football is we look like we don't really look like we're a Big 12 team. You know, mm. our talent isn't there. Our size isn't there. We're a P5 school. We need to start, you know, fielding a team that looks like it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree uh, with all that. Um, I think the one downer from spring ball as, as a whole from the local Lubbock media was the O-line isn't really there. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of a weak uh, group of dudes. And we have some guys out right now that are going to eventually come back for the start of the season. Um, but it's just like, if one dude goes out, it's, it's going to be tough to replace them. Um, so, and that, and I mean, unfortunately the O-line affects all of the offense. You know, if you don't have time to throw, you're not going to be good as a quarterback running backs rely heavily on the O-line. So, um, you know, I think we, we need to get that cleaned up. If we can bring in another guy or two, uh, possibly in summer from the from transfer portal or from wherever uh, to get in here and just give some more depth to that uh, O line because we have a lot of young guys and we just we just struggled at that position last year even with a guy like Jack Anderson so uh, we we need to figure that out come uh, come football season but I think that's that's kind of the downer of spring ball but everything else looks solid I mean defensively our linebacking core is something to really be happy about and really be excited about for this coming season because of the maturity and just just guys that have been there before I mean Colin schooler Rico Jeffers he wasn't available to uh, work in spring ball because of his injury but he's going to be awesome uh, you know when when he gets all healed up and everything Jacob Morgan Stern Brandon Boyer Randall you know all type of dudes that that are coming back and uh, uh, what's what number one Merriweather Krishan Merriweather so it's just like a long list of of linebackers that are just awesome and really good athletes really good players yeah that that's exactly right I'm really looking forward to seeing a veteran core come back on defense because I, you know that's our biggest complaint all the time is our defense just doesn't have it so I'm so glad that we have these guys that have been in a system that seems to be improving from the last mm-hmm. era, you know, and it has been improving year to year here. So I'm really excited to see some of these guys. Our linebackers have just been way better than we've deserved on that side of the ball. Um, so I'm really happy to see a lot of those guys come back because if we're going to, you know, take that next step as a program, we, we need to, you know, do it on the shoulders of these older guys. Yeah, and even that's not even mentioning like Demarcus Fields coming back in the back in the defensive back unit and uh, the transfer portal coming up big for us again. Getting uh, Marquise Waters from Duke, he looks like he's going to be a real leader for this team in uh, that safety and cornerback unit. So, um, man, I mean the transfer portal it it gives and it taketh away. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation to talk about with uh, college sports and including college football in the future here. Because you and I were talking about this before we started the podcast. If does this benefit a school like Texas Tech more, uh, or does it hurt us more? So, and I think we landed on it benefiting us a little more than it than it hurts because um it, there's kind of a worry that perhaps now that players can just leap and go in one year without with no penalty does that benefit you know the the, the rich i say rich programs i mean like the successful programs that like the alabamas of the world do can they just sit there and pick off the best players from a texas tech sort of thing because i mean those are the only schools that would be able to pick off a texas tech could an ou you know go in and be like wow we, we could use something like that and go talk to him and pick him off um but I think it's more on the, the same coin for us that because we may not be able to get garner the interest of the best players out of high school, do we in turn get to look at 
lower programs like the G5 or even the FCS and, you know, look for holes in our team and be able to flirt with the players there who, who, who are ready to make a step up, kind of like what we see in college basketball right now. So I feel like that benefits us a little more. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it, it goes both ways, especially with a program like Tech. Like we've seen, we've had our good players snatched up by bigger programs. I mean, you talk about back to the Patrick Mahomes era, we had a guy like Jonathan Giles who had a great season at wide receiver, uh, and then he transferred to LSU because he hey. had a really good season but then ended up not really doing much at LSU. So yeah, He disappeared and, on my lineup. Yeah, exactly, and he was handed like – they were, I'm living in Baton Rouge now, and I still talk about, you know, guys, the Texas Tech LSU connection. And they're like, yeah, man, we had big, like all the LSU fans are like, we had really big expectations for this Giles guy. He got the number seven, which is apparently an important number for LSU. Um, and it, like, it's like the Aggies choosing number 12 or whatever, whatever they do. Um, but yeah, whoever gets number seven is supposed to be like a, like the leader of the team. And he, he got that number taken away from him mid season. So, you know, it, it comes and goes and I'm sure we're looking in that transfer portal and, and we're not necessarily getting transfers from lower programs, but the power five programs. We've had a lot right. of guys come from PAC 12 ACC, all those type of teams uh, that are coming in, especially on this year's team. When you talk about like Colin schooler, Marquise waters, all these guys came from pretty big programs. I mean, you know, you could talk about Duke and Arizona, however you want as a, as a big program, but they're still power five levels. So we're getting those guys. Um, and, and guys are going to feast off us. OU is going to feast off even Texas tech, Alabama feasts off whoever they want. Clemson, same deal. So uh, I think it's a much more relevant conversation when it comes to basketball because of how insane the portal is right now, but football's getting there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And that was a good point that you brought up with us getting players from the P5 programs. Um, it's just players are going to look to where they can succeed the most. And, you know, yeah. a lot of my eyes have eyes on the NFL. So and the point is getting on the field. So if you're not getting on the field, you, you can look and you can look around. So I, I, I think it probably benefits, benefits us more than it hurts us in, in, a, in a sport like college football. But I don't want to spend too much time on that. We'll see how that kind of pans out. So. Yeah, we've been talking a lot of transfer portal the last couple episodes, so we'll we kind have. of move on. Um, unfortunate news for the football team, just to kind of cap it off. Sir Roderick Thompson uh, and Eric Azucama both suffered pretty, uh, pretty high-profile injuries uh, for this team during spring ball. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson with a big-time shoulder, I think shoulder or elbow, something in that uh, atmosphere injury. He's going to be out for a long time, it looks like. Um and they're going to see how he progresses as the summer rolls around and into fall. But uh, it looks like Sir Roger Thompson's going to miss at least the beginning of the season, the first couple games. Hopefully he'll be ready to go uh, not too long after that. Uh, Eric has come a little different, broke his arm, which is not good, obviously, uh, in two different places, kind of on a freak accident. But, uh, you know, I was looking on Google, kind of WebMD and, you know, broken arm injuries in sports. And it looks like six to 12 weeks is kind of uh, the healing process for that type of injury. Uh, we don't start our first game against Houston isn't for four and a half months. So I, I think Eric Azucama is going to be available for that first game against Houston. Obviously, we're going to see how it progresses. But uh, Matt Wells said in six weeks, they're going to know a little more about that injury, but uh, it does suck to lose two of what was going to be your like probably top two offensive weapons going into the season, going down with injuries and really not having the summer to condition and get ready. So that sucks. No, absolutely. Those, those two are stars. Those yeah. two are probably the most famous or, or like the biggest names in, in their respective positions on our team. Yeah. So that's not great, but um Hey, if, if they're not too severe, hopefully we can get them back on the field in, in the season, hopefully before uh, Big 12 starts. So, uh, But, you know, to, to our fans here, Stephen Steven and I have been uh, kind of gearing up here. We're getting a little excited for football season. Yeah. The hopes are coming back. We're getting a little high on it. So you it's all are scary. This with us. It's scary. Uh, usually the last couple of years I've been kind of uh, very, you know, afraid of getting hyped up for football season, but this season seems different to me. I mean, even ESPN's given us some props. So uh, I think they ranked us 21st or something in one of the latest, like, uh, you know, pre preseason type of polls or whatever. So um, 
I'm just excited. I think we have a really good group of players. We have a lot of returners, a lot of veterans on this team. And Matt Wells' third year, it's it's time, man. And yeah, this time. is the time. This is the time where we start getting things going. It's his system. 100% all of his players, well, not all of his players. Some of them are still from the Kingsbury era, but um, I, most of his players into his into his system. So uh, I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited just to see how things progress. Yeah, and, and with Gumby as well. And ESPN yeah. has us ranked at 11th in a strength of schedule. So ESPN is giving a lot of respect to the Big 12 lately, which is good to see. Obviously, that translates well into uh, to respect, you know, uh, with on the recruiting trail and all that. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm excited about football, man. It's, it's, it's the next sport after baseball. So, uh, but I think we spent enough time on the gridiron. Uh, what else yep. do we got to talk about today? We got some basketball updates. We got some good basketball updates. Uh, one coming in today too, but um, Mark Adams has started to build his team. And for next season, uh, we have gained three players since last week. Um, one of which being, oh, well, let's talk about the coach first. We hired an assistant coach, uh, took him away from Arkansas. Corey Williams is going to join Mark Adams' staff along with Barrett Peary and uh, be a, I, I, I don't know how they're ranking assistants, but probably the first or second assistant right there. Um, and, and it was interesting to me that he left Arkansas for us, uh, considering I probably put our two programs kind of at equal level uh, in terms of relevancy in college basketball. Um, and so that was kind of interesting. I know he has a connection with Sean Sutton and the Sutton family. So uh, he was probably pretty interested when, and and if you believe in Mark Adams, I'm sure he's an easy guy to, to believe in. So, um, you know, he's coming over from Arkansas. He was their number one recruiter apparently at Arkansas. So we're getting more recruiting roots in our program. Uh, I know Barrett Peary's kind of a West Coast guy, and Corey Williams kind of an East Coast guy. So we're kind of we're we're hitting all of our all the areas of the United States to try to get guys on this team. Yeah, that was a really exciting hire because it really felt like we snatched him from a yeah. established program, a great program right An now, an Elite Eight program. Yes. just went to the Elite Eight, like you know. And, and then obviously the uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not reveling in their disappointment, but Arkansas fans were really upset that we took him. Yeah. Um, and that's a great sign. I'm, I'm not, I, like I said, I'm not saying like, Hey, Kate Rex, Arkansas, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying like, it's phenomenal to want somebody that's obviously clearly valued even at the assistant level. So I, I'm really excited about these assistant coaches he's bringing on. I'm glad to see that he's building up the staff because we were getting a little nervous there with how, with the speed we were moving at, but I think things are coming together. And if we can cover the whole nation recruiting now that, Texas Tech has established themselves as a name in college basketball. We can do that. So yeah. I'm excited to see what that kind of turns into. But we've already seen what it's turning into. So let's talk about those uh, recruits we're getting. Yeah, man. Let's uh, let's start with KJ Allen because he's the big time name. Uh, I, I went and watched the entire season of Last Chance U uh, after he announced that he was coming to Tech. Um, and dude is a friggin' fireball, man. Like he was the good guy of the series, much like Dakota Allen was in his, in his season of the football, uh, last chance you KJ Allen was the good guy in this basketball first basketball season of last chance you. So, um, dude, he's springy and he's big. Like he's kind of undersized for a forward, uh, he's kind of a hybrid type player, but what I can tell you is he looks strong as hell. Like, he is a massive dude. And, and he, you know, the first thing you look at him and you think Mark Vidal from Baylor because they have the same similar body type. They don't really have the same play style uh, in terms of KJ's a very uh, offensive minded guy. He plays defense and he blocks shots and he has these highlight plays, but offensively is where he makes his money. Um he had, he had really good stats. I think he averaged like 17 and 10 or something for, for uh, East, uh, well, East LA community college last year. Uh, but he's just a really fun guy. He's a guy that's going to, he's, he's going to, he's like Mac, you know, he has yeah, highlight he's the Mac transfer. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're just going to be excited watching this guy play basketball next year. For sure. I think, I think it's a great, I think that was a great first recruit for the, the Adams group to get because it, it excites the fan base immediately, you know, yeah. and all in the whole country is excited about it too. They're like, Whoa, Texas Tech has still got it. You know, that one made news. Yeah. Yeah. So it just shows that we're not slowing down, which is phenomenal. So, I mean, sure. obviously, obviously not every recruit is going to be that stardom, 
but getting him first, I think is a great start. And it also encourages other recruits to go, go for us. So uh, I'm really excited to see this guy, you know, hit the top level. Obviously he's more than capable of doing it. And I think the craziest part is he decommitted from the university of Southern California in Los Angeles to come to Texas tech. Yeah, and I think a lot of that had to do with USC got hit with the violation or something. I think they're like in two years probation from the postseason or something like that. Uh, We'll see if the NCAA sticks to that. They didn't stick to it with Oklahoma State this year, so uh, I don't know how they're going to stick with that. But I think think Coach Barrett Peary had a lot to do with it too because he is a West Coast guy. He's been recruiting in probably the L.A., California area for a long time now, so – I'm sure he had that connection with KJ. And as soon as he kind of figured out USC was getting hit with this violation, he was going to open up his recruitment again. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he hopped on, I'm sure coach Peary hopped on it as soon as he could. So um, yeah, it is, it is funny to see that like we took a, a Los Angeles kid from USC to come to Lubbock, Texas. You know, that's pretty funny to see. Absolutely. It, I, I kind of feel like Barrett Peary is kind of becoming like the mouthpiece for the program. Yeah. Like he's like the, he's like the high energy t- big tweeter. Yeah. You know, he's, he's always- he, I love his tweets, man. I, at first I was like, this man uses way too many emojis, but <laughs> now I'm just like, he's like, it's a great day to be a red Raider. I'm like, hell yeah, coach. Let's, let's he's do so it. Fired up every day. And he looks yeah. like he loves the camera and it looks like he, he just sees all in on Lubbock and tech. So I, I'm really excited to have his energy, especially, I mean, to, to have a, a younger guy like him on, on Adams' staff, since, you know, obviously Coach Adams is an older gentleman. He just kind of brings something that Mark can't give. So yeah. I really like that. And we're going to see a lot of these. We're not going to get, you know, last chance you type famous dudes, a lot of those, but we're going to get a lot of guys from the JUCO level to probably mm-hmm. join this team as we keep progressing. We've gotten a lot of two guys so far from the JUCO level, and we knew with Mark Adams' ties to junior college and everything like that that it, that was going to happen at Texas Tech. Like you know, it's going to be a transition. We're going to have to get back to our winning ways and show that we're you know a consistently winning program to get the guys that we were getting like the Namari Burnett's and uh, all those type of dudes. So um, unfortunately that left with Chris Beard, but it doesn't even matter because coach Adams is putting in work and he's getting the right guys. And that's what they've emphasized with every press conference and everything. They want to get guys that want to be here and they want to get guys that like Texas tech for Texas tech and not for Mark Adams. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they obviously want to believe in Mark Adams, but they also want them to really in, engulf themselves in the culture and well that's what's great about getting guys from the from the lower levels is whenever you have a school like texas tech calling them and believing in them that means something mm-hmm. different than these five-star guys yeah and i really i really do think that i think they're gonna be hungrier i think they're gonna work harder because everything was going against them they didn't get recruited to uh the, to the texas tech so yeah. but but now they're now a big school's calling them and now they have something to prove a five-star mm-hmm. out of high school i don't think they necessarily they do have something to prove, but they're proving it to the NBA uh, scouts. They're not. They're not trying to prove it to themselves and to the haters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just a different change of mindset when you're talking about like guys like KJ Allen, who was like a four-star recruit out of high school, but just didn't have the grades. And so you know, you go through the JUCO route, and that kind of brings you back down to humbles just you. realizing, yeah, it humbles you for sure. So I'm excited for him coming in, but also let's talk about these other two guys. Uh, the next one who committed after KJ was Ethan Duncan, who is another local kid uh, coming into the program from Lubbock Trinity Christian. He's a high school recruit. So the first high school recruit of the Mark Adams era at Texas tech, unfortunately, Chris Beard kind of hoed us with, uh, <laughs> with only recruiting Jalen Tyson and then bouncing for UT and taking him with him. So we didn't really have any high school recruits going into this year's team. So uh, we got this guy out of Lubbock. Um, he's an interesting prospect, uh, r- really insane stat line, tw- average 27 points a game in high school. Uh, but he's a, he's an undersized guard. He's probably about 5'10", 5'11", range, a little under six foot, um, but shot 44% from the three-point line and 91% from the free throw line. So dude knows how to shoot the ball. Uh, I think it's just going to be kind of a transition process playing against these big old dudes. Uh, going from playing Lubbock High School to playing Big 12 basketball, it's kind of a little different. You're getting a little taller guys in there. 
it, it's a step. It certainly is. Um, and geez, God, what what it kind of just makes you obviously plays into the conspiracies that Chris was out to hoe us from the beginning with only having one recruit and you know taking him with him to UT. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited that we've, we're 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 already back on the high school train. Um, good to get one out of the out of the hometown. And I mean, if you're a little guy like him, you better be a sniper. And it looks like he is. And hopefully, yeah. he can make plays as well. Uh, I'm sure he'll be further back in the lineup, but I hope whenever he comes out on the court, he's ready to make plays. Yeah, especially as a freshman. Don't expect him to play much. I mean, mm-hmm. I, he could surprise us all and just be awesome immediately, but I don't think that's going to happen with him. Uh, but really happy to have him on the team. You know, it adds more depth to the lineup and, uh, you know, help for in case somebody gets injured and all that kind of stuff. So, For sure. I mean, that's what we're looking for right now. We're looking to, uh, you know, rebuild the team a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just today, we got our third uh, commit to next year's team from the transfer portal, Chandler Jacobs from Dallas Baptist. So this kid is awesome. I mean, he's he he's a Division II player, but don't let that fool you because he is a really talented player. And just from watching, I think he had like a nine-minute YouTube clip that I, uh, that I watched on his highlights from last season. And he is quick with everything the dude does. I mean, his handle is quick. His shot is quick. His jumping ability he gets off the ground in like, like just super fast. So he's a quick offensive guy, but he's all around. I mean, he was the uh, Lone Star Conference defensive player of the year last year as well. So uh, the first thing I noticed when I was looking at his highlights are how long his arms are. I mean, dude has a wingspan that is just insane for a guard. Uh, so that that helps him in getting shots over taller defenders, grabbing steals. I mean, dude, uh, I think he led the Lone Star Conference in steals last season. So uh, he's he, he seems like the perfect Mark Adams guy in terms of once he's a really good offensive player, but also grinds on the defensive end. That's awesome. I, and I'm also hearing some – some uh, Keenan Evans comparisons. Yeah, there's, I've seen, I've seen a few, I've seen a few like Keenan Evans and Naeem Stevenson kind of comparisons on Twitter, but um, I think he's, he's a hybrid. Um, uh, He, he has the finishing ability that Keenan had, especially his senior year. Um, Just when you're talking about going up against a guy that's six foot eight, six foot nine, trying to block your shot, he just finds a way to finish over him, uses his body well. Uh, maintaining contact and getting to the free throw line, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, dude averaged seven, seven rebounds a game as a guard as well. So, you know, you're looking at that and 20 points a game with almost two steals a game shooting 45% from three shooting 83% from the free throw line. He's just kind of a great all around player. So is this like a classic case of a completely overlooked recruit then? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know his whole story. Yeah, I mean, I don't know his whole story from when he started uh, as a freshman. Probably was uh, usually with those type of guys, they're they're either really small coming out of high school, and then they have to go Division two, or their grades aren't there, or maybe they got in trouble or something like that. I don't know his whole story, so I couldn't tell you. But I know that he's developed extremely well as a player during I think it's three or four years at Dallas Baptist. So hype to have him. Well, it sounds like it's going to translate. To, it yeah. sounds like he's got the tangibles to be a great D1 player as well. So I'm really excited to have him on the team too. Yeah, for sure. So we got three new additions to the roster, along, of course, with Marcus Santos Silva, Clarence Nadolny, Kevin McCuller, Avery Benson, Shibuzo Agbo. So uh, we have a good group of players coming into this year's team, a solid eight, nine guys now. Um and, you know, we're looking to add some more. So keep an eye out for the transfer portal. Keep an eye out for what Mark Adams and, and the staff are, are going to do from here on out. Next season is looking brighter and brighter every day. And that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we haven't been waiting too long or haven't been disappointed, disappointed with, with what's coming through the transfer portal. Um, so I'm really excited to see where this, this team goes because I think, I think the pieces are coming together pretty well. For sure. I'm excited to see who else can come through the portal because I'm really excited to, to cheer for some new names. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, man, absolutely. So hopefully next week we'll be coming with some more good news about <laughs> Texas Texas Tech basketball. So, But let's get into kind of what we wanted to do this episode and what we're going to title this episode. Uh, just we wanted – we we saw a tweet going around uh, ranking kind of the good and the bad fan bases of college sports – Uh, And we saw Texas Tech was ranked the most hostile. And this is by one guy. These are rankings. They're all subjective. They're all stupid. 
uh, one guy has a bad experience. And so they're probably going to say that that is the worst fan base of all time. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting to give our thoughts uh, and hopefully it is for y'all listening right now on the other big 12 fan bases and what we have experienced, uh, you know, just talking about and interacting with the opposing fans of other big 12 schools. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went, I, I went really lighthearted with this. It's, you know, I'm not going to throw a blanket on thousands of fans, you know, it's in, at the end of the day, we're way more similar than we are different at every program. Exactly. So, um, uh, that said, I mean, I love being in the Big 12. I think we have a great set of teams with that full of fun fans. So this this was pretty fun to kind of go through. Um, we, should we start with our alma mater? Let's do it. Let's, Let's start, start with Texas Tech. Yeah. What What have you experienced from 2014? Or I guess for you, it was a few years earlier because of, because of your brother. So maybe since 2012, what is your overall perception of the Texas Tech fan base? That were rowdy as hell. We, yeah. uh, we, we love our team and we're, but we're very reactionary. We often have a, everyone's out to get us. Every, it's us against everyone else mentality. Yeah. Um, I, I love us so much for that. But um, I, I think the biggest thing with our fans is how outdated the perception of our fans is, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone has this weird bizarro 1990s esque idea of what a Texas tech fan is. Yeah. When in reality, you're if you're either like a West Texas old boy who's just you know enjoys his Red Raiders, supporting the team for years, <laughs> or you're or you're just a, a rowdy student uh, or alumnus, therefore rowdy alumnus. So yeah, I mean I, that's that's why I think rowdy is the best adjective I can give us because I get where people say like oh we're hostile, but I mean I think it's just because we're crazy, we're passionate, mm-hmm. we really are. I mean you think about Lubbock, Texas. It's Texas Tech. That's what's around us. And that's mm-hmm. what we are. Everybody's there for Saturday, you know, game day, basketball, game day, whatever. We go out and we support our team and we love our team a whole lot. So I love our fans. Obviously, you and me are biased. Um, but yeah, I, I can understand there are hostile fans at Texas Tech, just like every school. There's hostile fans. Uh, there's guys that have come in and, and tried to start fights at football games and everything like that. Uh, all the myths about battery throwing and all yes. that crap is that's all lies. Oh Those my. are all lies. What I mean, year is it? Is what for I real? Ask them whenever they say that. Have you seen a double A battery and not a or like seen a battery not in a smoke detector in years? <laughs> like for uh, for real? Like what do they think these are coming from? Our TV yeah. remotes? It's unbelievable. Yeah. So the the whole the perception of Texas Tech fans. It's in, I I would be interested to like hear from every fan base to see what they actually think mm-hmm. about Texas Tech because I think it's a little off base in a lot of occasions, like what you said earlier. Uh, but you know, we, we have good and bad fans just like everybody does. We throw stuff, but it's a tortilla. We throw a tortilla, Gary Patterson. Oh my goodness. I will say I have never seen a fan base that hates the refs more. And I know that's every fan base. (laughs) I know as soon as there's a bad call, everybody freaking piles on the refs, but oh my God, tech Twitter after a (laughs) basketball game where the foul count is, is UT 19 fouls and us 18 fouls. They're just going to go nuts on the refs. And guys, I would just encourage, just take it easy (laughs) on the refs. I know that's a hot take. I know it's easy and it's fun to pile on the refs, but oh my God, our fan base loves to do it. (laughs) I mean, I I think you and I have like done our best to summarize it. I I think, like you said, like we're, we're rowdy, we're passionate. And um, I think we can laugh at ourselves too, which is kind of nice. You know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. I love our fan base, man. I really do. Every everybody's fun. It's a great fan base to interact with. I I posted this on Twitter. Uh, I was like, you know, if you don't mess with us, we're not going to mess with you. Like yeah. we're if you're respectable to us, we're going to be respectable towards you. So, you know, for sure, I, I, I think that, that wraps up our Red Raiders for sure. But let's go down alphabetically now. Let's start with Baylor. This is an interesting one for me. I, I had a few different thoughts on Baylor, but we'll start with your thoughts on the Baylor fan base. I, I, I wrote this list out of order, but um, with my because my opening line is, it's bigger TCU. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small private school. It does, you don't see a whole lot of their fans out and about. 
it's uh, you know, but they're they like you'll see how out of order this is. They're more dedicated than TCU is. Um, they yeah. care more, um, but they're probably the most disliked fans in the Big yeah. Twelve because people have a hard time disconnecting the 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 programs from the fans, which you can kind of get in a sense because the fans are the ones that are enabling it. Well, not necessarily enabling it, but supporting it. Yeah, um, but it's. That's I don't have a whole lot on them. I, I don't think I've really run into many bad Baylor fans uh, for the most part. I think they're they're you know pretty just much normal people for the most part. Um, but uh, you know they gave us a hard time. We give them a hard time. It's a rivalry. Yeah, I wrote two things down about Baylor. Uh, I think their fans have a public perception issue, um, especially with the whole scandal that went down with the football team. Everybody pretty much piled on Baylor. I think for a while those fans were like almost afraid to say that they are Baylor fans and that they went to Baylor because all that stuff went down. And there does need to be some separation from what the team did to what the fan base supports. I mean, sure. you know, the, the fans don't know everything that goes on with the program. They just want to see their team do well. And mm-hmm. so, but I, I do think they even still have kind of a public perception and especially uh, with, I don't know if you saw that video with the, the guy giving the yes. championship team a truck and he was, uh, he said some racist stuff and it's like, okay, like that, you know, you're not helping the perception of what Baylor is as a fan base, because I think the first thing that a lot of people go to is the people that were supporting our Bryles through all that mess. And it's like, okay, that can put a bad taste in your mouth when you're supporting that dude who just, you know, was, was a pretty terrible human being. So. Yeah. I, I think you, I think you nailed it, bro. I think, I think public perception issue is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. But see this, this is the issue also on the same side is, you know, they like to reminisce, about yeah. those years where they're really good at football too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. guys, you can't have it both ways. You can't have us move on, which I know you obviously want everybody to do and go, but gosh, remember those Bryles years? You can't <laughs> but remember, remember RG3? Yeah, you you, you can't do – I mean, RG3 seems like a, a, a fine enough dude, but yeah, 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 you can't be doing that. You got to leave it behind. You got to just mm-hmm. mark it off the calendar. Like, you can't be like – Gosh, screw all that. I mean, that's not oh, that's not Baylor. But then be like, God, those were great years. You mm-hmm. gotta, you got, because it happens all the time. You gotta yeah. stop. So yeah. when you went through something like that, you just gotta move on from it. Yeah, don't bring um, it up. Yeah, I'll also say they're not a very they're they're a very into it fan base. As in, when their team does well, that's when they start supporting. They don't really go when their team stinks. It's like, oh yeah, you know, whatever, you know, the basketball team stinks, I guess. And, and I've seen that, especially my cousin, who is basically like my sister, went to Baylor. She could care less about Baylor sports. And then as soon as they go to the national championship, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, sick of bears. This is <laughs> and I think that's the case with a lot of Baylor fans. So I just want to point that out. For sure. But I mean, it, it's, it, you know, they're in, a, they're in a college town like us. And, you know, it's uh, we hate them. But yeah, I think I think you na- I think you nailed it with Baylor, dude. So yeah. with public so- perception issue. All right, let's move on to the clones of Iowa State. Um, let's go. Let's go with your thoughts on Iowa State. Um, so you're, you're going to hear me say this a lot with these rankings is pretty similar to us. I would say they seem like they 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 share a lot of the similarities with how we act. They seem to be quite rowdy. Um, but the thing is with them is they have a very new money attitude. Yeah. Uh, they, geez, they, you, they're God's gift right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, overall, you know, I, I don't think I've had a whole lot of, you know, bad experiences with Iowa State fans. I think they're just like us, you know, they're the, they're the smaller state school in, the, in Iowa, you know, and they, they kind of have that us versus them attitude with it. And, you know, they seem to just be rowdy, fun folks. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there's really much same thing to say. They like to drink beer, you know, so we like to drink beer. And we they, just like, they, they like, like their, they, they like their corn. Yes, and they like their corn, and uh, they they definitely love their school. So um, I I think that's how I feel about them. I actually think that Iowa State has one of the better fan bases in the Big Twelve. I think they have a, a a lot of fans that really care about their program, and a lot of fans that are fighting the little brother mentality that I think some people perceive about Iowa State versus Iowa. You know, Iowa's Big Ten, you know, they're all famous football and all that kind of stuff. And Iowa State's getting really good. And so now, yeah, like you said, kind of a new money uh, attitude. Um, 
and, and it's the and it's the opposite with basketball. Now they're just more depressed when it comes to basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, we have this historically famous basketball program that is in the absolute gutter right now. So it's been interesting getting to know some Iowa State fans, like mm-hmm. our buddy Travis, who came on the pod, and Cyclone really getting Larry. Cyclone Larry, one of the best Twitter follows in <laughs> all of Twitter. Go follow <laughs> Cyclone Larry. Uh, I think Iowa State has a lot of good fans. For sure. I, I would love to go to a, a like an at Ames game. I think For that'd sure. be a ton of fun. I think Because I think I'd win or lose, I think it's just everybody would get at the bar and, and drink and have fun. No so. doubt. No doubt. But let's go keep it in the Midwestern United States. Let's go with Kansas Jayhawk fans. What are you, what's your perception of the Jayhawks? Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, absolutely. I don't, I don't think I could say pretty much anything else. I mean, I, I don't blame them for not showing up to the football games because they are the joke of football. Yeah. Like it, cause I feel like it would really wear on you as a fan to show up every week and lose to FCS teams. <laughs> You know, it's just like, why am I even here besides getting drunk with my buddies? I mean, if we were there, that's what we would be doing. Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's it's a it's a tough sledding in football. But of course, then they turn into you know who they are for basketball, which I mean, it's it's they're the mo- one of the most storied programs in basketball. So they fill their basketball arena and they like to talk. So they are a an. I don't know the right word. Uh, they, <laughs> it's so weird. Kansas is the weirdest fan base, I think, in almost all of Power Five because they could not care less about every sport other than basketball. True, yeah. And it's, and it's like, you know, how do you have a football stadium that still has a track around it and, and, and be a blue blood in college basketball? It's the it most insane like thing. Stadium. I know. It's the most insane thing ever. Um. But I, I, I think Kansas basketball fans, obviously they're arrogant because they've been good forever and they're, you know, they're a blue blood. So you're going to get that with blue blood programs. But honestly, talking to a Kansas Jayhawk fan about any other sport, I'm sure they're great. They're just nice, nice people who just hope to win. And if they don't, you know, it's whatever where there's still basketball season. Yeah. And I haven't brought this up. I forgot to bring this up with the other fans. They're, they're definitely pro big 12 and I appreciate that, you know, yeah. and same with Iowa state fans. They're also very pro big 12. So that that's always nice as well. So, I mean, but I think, I think Jekyll and Hyde's all I could got to say about Kansas. I think it's more Hyde and nothing. Like, <laughs> like there's basically no fans for everything yeah. other than basketball. So it's just a weird, weird fan base for sure. But Let's stay in Kansas. Let's go K-State. What do you feel about the K-State fan base? I think they're just they're like one of the tamer, uh, smaller state school fans. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they they're, they share some similarities with a school like Tech, but they they always they have a reputation of not being too crazy. You know, they yeah. just you know they love their they they love their team, they love their programs, but they they just, they're just not known for being wild. I think they just they just enjoy watching their team play and they support them that way, which is there's nothing wrong with that. I think I think that's kind of the perception I have of them. Uh, when I think K State, I think uh, old boys that live simple lifestyles that like their meat and potatoes. That's what I think go. about Kansas State fans. Uh, I also wonder how many Kansas State fans have shrines of Bill Snyder in their homes. I just I I, I wonder because when I think of K State, you think of Bill Snyder. That's like the one the one figure that you can point to. Um, I think overall they get overlooked a ton because mm-hmm. they're just they're in Kansas. They're kind of the other team in Kansas. I don't know. They're, so I, I, like, I haven't really had a lot of experiences with K-State fans, but I'm sure they're good people that, that and they do show out for their sports. I, I mean, their football games look fun. You know, yeah. they, they show out and there's, there's that famous, what was that famous uh, meme of that guy? Uh, it was at a K-State game and it's like, uh, it's like something with corn. I don't know, but it was it was like the most like Midwest like I I I'm just here for the corn or something. And it's like, yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, that that's my perception of them as well. They just they just, you know, tame but supportive is kind of for the sure. thing. I would, I would love to, you know, again, another thing in Manhattan. I think a Manhattan game would be pretty fun as well. I think most of the venues in the Big 12 would be pretty fun, so. I love that they're in Manhattan. I love that the <laughs> city they're in is Manhattan, Kansas. Little Apple. The little apple. I wonder what the downtown Manhattan's like, you know? <laughs> it's probably very college towny. So yeah, definitely probably. definitely give them props there. We love the college towns. Also, I have one more thing on K State. 
Uh, I've never seen a fan base hate their long tenured head coach more than they hate their basketball coach. (laughs) That dude has been there. Bruce Weber has been at Kansas state forever. And if you talk to any Kansas state fan, they're going to just be like, no, I don't really like Bruce Weber. It's like, dude, from Bill Snyder. (laughs) I know he's been your coach for like 10 years at this point. Like there's no way it's like the only other coach I can think of in like a power five program of, of, uh, the fan base just does not like that has been there a long time is Mark Turgeon for Maryland. Every like Maryland, you every Maryland fan you ask, they're just like, yeah, I could care less about Mark Turgeon. It's like, if he moved on great. And then it's the <laughs> same thing with Kansas state and Bruce Weber. They're like, yeah, fire Bruce Weber. He's been here for far too long. And they just refuse to do it. Well, I think that wraps up K state. I, I really don't think there's much more to say about him there. For sure. We probably went two minutes too long on K-State. But <laughs> let's let's go to OU, one of the uh, uh, enemies of the Big 12 in terms of other Big 12 teams. The first word I wrote was mixed. Yes. I mean, I, obviously you could put that on every single fan base. But, I mean, this, this is what I put. I said there's like two kinds of OU fans. You're either just a kind Okie cheering for the Sooners, you know, just a, mm-hmm. just a good old little Okie. Um, and he supported the Big 12 and all that, or you, <laughs> or your ass, or you're arrogant, better than you. Don't speak to me. I'm a fan of a team that's better than your team. I want OU out of the Big 12 for no real reason. Football is all that matters. It's really easy. It's just like it's really easy to be a fan of a true powerhouse. It doesn't make your fan base inherently better, it just makes it bigger. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a perfect way. I mean, like I said, my parents live in Oklahoma. You know, I'm there all the time. I'm interacting with OU fans all the time. Most of the time, they're just kind of old Okies. But, you know, other than that, it's just like it's the one I just explained. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There, I think there's a clear difference from their football fans and their other fans. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, OU's put together some really good teams outside of football. Like with basketball, you know, they made a Final Four not too long ago. So I think when it comes to those type of sports, they're much more cordial and much more happy and, and kind of low-key uh, you know, just fans supporting their teams. But when it comes to football, they just have this arrogance to them where they, it's like you, and we're get, we'll get to UT too, but uh, just, just like a, we are better than all of you. So don't talk to me. Yeah. Don't speak to us. Yeah, for sure. On anything kind of thing. It's just, I, I hate that mentality with sports fans. You know, like if you're the, like, like an NBA, like a Lakers fan, like, Oh, yeah. I'm a fan of that NBA team. It's just like, dude, what you you chose to be a fan of that team it doesn't make your opinion better than anyone else's like yeah i i hate that so much but that and that's that's just ou has it the worst in the big 12 because obviously they do nothing but win so it's it's also on all of us for never ever beating them so it's true but like when we're playing ou like i dislike ou but football, I really want to beat them. Basketball, oh, yeah. I'm like, if we lose to OU, whatever. Yeah. Like, sure. you know, like, I'm like another team in the Big 12 in football and in yeah. basketball, right? But in football, yeah. and those games are chippy between Tech yeah. and OU. Those are oh, exactly. I think it's oh, we've a had history, man. Rivalry, so yeah. No, I, I always like playing OU just because mm-hmm. you have that that in the back of your mind, you're like, if we beat OU, this is gonna be freaking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see the meltdown. I, yes. It, it's so nice to do that. So what about you? What do you feel? I mean, I, guess I feel that. I'm, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, yeah. I think they're just entitled and the whole Baker thing bothers me. So we're just always going to be connected with that. But OU, I think outside of football, they have a pretty solid fan base overall. And I, I've been to Norman. I went to a game day there. So that was cool that everybody was nice. Everybody was hyped up. So it's like any other fan base. Um, but let's go to Okie State. Let's go to the Cowboys, Xerox U. They stole all of our stuff. Uh, what is your perception of uh, the Cowboys? They are Texas Tech and Oklahoma. They are our brothers from another mother. They are pretty yeah. much identical to Tech in every single way, except they've had a more successful successful football program lately. So yeah. they're, they're, they're like OU fans minus, minus the arrogant part. So yeah. they're just good old key boys that are just cheering for their team. Um, and then if anything, this is, this is how I mostly feel about a lot of teams is like, they're, I think these are like the true Oklahomans, you know, these mm-hmm. are like the real Okies, you know, OU, you get fans from all over, but these, these are like the, just, uh, just like I said, just like tech. I feel like if you went onto OSU's campus, you would just feel like you're at tech, but somewhere else. Yeah. Oklahoma is different from Texas in terms of, but like you were in Oklahoma for a little bit. What would you say is the percentage of sooner to cowboy fans? Like 70, 30. 
Okay. Yeah. See, it's, it's like different from, from Texas because we have so many teams, but obviously UT has the most fans in mm-hmm. they're the biggest brand in Texas, but like there's so, you know, there's Baylor and TCU you throw those in there too, but OU and Oklahoma state are the only two teams in Oklahoma. So uh, it, it is a large gap, you know, 70, 30 is, is big time, but uh, I agree with you. That, but. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you fully. I think they show out to all their, all their games. Uh, so, you know, it's a great fan base in terms of, uh, you know, just showing out and being there, supporting their team. Um, but yeah, they're just like us as much, and and they stole all of our stuff. So of course they're going to be just like us. You know, kind of makes the games fun too, because I always feel like OSU and Texas Tech's a great game. Um, and it's just yeah, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure they're just Red Raiders in in, in Oklahoma. Now, like you said, they stole all of our traditions. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right, let's move on uh, to TCU. Another in-state uh, rival. So, what what are your thoughts on uh, on the five TCU fans that exist? <laughs> Gosh, I like it. So, this is this is why I wrote. I said t- first word is tiny. I said, and this is this is the the hottest take of it is if I can kick any team out of the Big Twelve, it's TCU. I would kick yeah. them out over BU or in West Virginia. Um, opposing fans always outshow them. And that's Always. not okay. Yeah. At your own games, away fans should not be uh, out uh, outdoing you in attendance. That's pathetic. And especially with uh, TCU, they're so solid at football. You know, they 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 and they've had some awesome yeah. seasons this decade. But yeah. Texas Tech, with how bad we've been, will still outshow them. It's unbelievable. So it's just, I mean, I, I, they seem fine. It's not like I've run into bad TCU fans. I mean, a lot of just. It, but other than that, it's just why? Why are they here? What are they doing? Yeah. What, are we doing what, what they just like they're just thankful they had Ladanian Tomlinson and some other great they're historic. They're thankful they have G Pat. Yeah, and, and Gary Patterson. Like he's the only reason they are in mm-hmm. the Big Twelve. I mean, I I, I feel the same way. TCU, uh, they should be ashamed of themselves because they have good teams and they mm-hmm. have a. They're in a really cool town. Fort Worth is great. Like they have all the resources and capabilities, but they have a lot of out of state that yes. that decide to come into TCU. So I can understand, you know, it's just not a very sports oriented fan base. Like they yeah, just that, don't really care. Exactly. I, I said it doesn't fit into the Big Twelve culture. It, no. it, it, it's not. It's not a Texan school. It's a lot of non Texan students uh, that are just coming to the South in quotation marks. You know. And, yeah you know, got rich Californians and East coasters and stuff just dropping in. So it's kind of like SMU in that sense. So again, it's just, they're the, they're the most why, I mean, they're, they're a rivalry, but it's like, uh, I can't wait to go and brag to those five dudes in the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the, you won't even encounter a TCU fan in Jones AT&T stadium. It's just like, yeah, they're just not going to show up. So um, yeah, I feel the same way about TCU, but Let's go to uh, the uh, worst. <laughs> I don't know a word to describe them right now. Um, let's go to Texas. Let's go to Walmart's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is your perception of the Longhorn fan base? This is this is what I wrote. I hope it's eloquent. Arrogance is directly reflected to how close to the school the fan is. Yeah, there's a there's a direct connection between t-shirt fan and alumnus like there's yeah. like there's a there's like this weird there's like this pendulum where if you're a t-shirt fan you are the most obnoxious fan in the world you are yeah. so annoying because it's just you are god's gift ut is so much better than everybody else well with most of the ut uh alum i've run into are just like any other fan base they just yeah and um they're, they're not gonna sit there and brag about it you know it's just it, there's just it, it's it's the outsiders that really seem like they're the ones that give UT that stereotype. Yeah, there's definitely bad within uh, as well. I know uh, down here we we have a friend who went to UT and he is arrogant as all hell. And it's just like he's not even a big sports fan, but he just like he's one of those dudes. I'm like I watch every tech game I can, man. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes in and he's like, yeah, I caught the one a few weeks ago. And then, you know, we talked about the whole Chris Beard thing. And he's like, what would you expect? We're Texas. And I'm like, that is the worst thing I have ever heard anybody say to me. Like, I was close to punching the guy right in the face. What, I, does, I that, what does that mean? Mediocrity? Because that's what yeah. it means now. For real. Yeah, it's, it's like, cool, man. Like, you just sound like an asshole and I like, I don't want to deal with you. So you get those type of fans for sure. at UT, obviously there's some really good diehards. I have a lot in my family that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, have donated to the school, went to the school or or generational UT and, you know, they're great. They're always nice. And, and uh, you know, they'll talk mess about sports when I, when I bring it up and that's cool. I'm, I'm cool with talking mess. You know, I'm not all about this whole like, oh, we respect your program and everything like that. Like, no, I'm going to talk shit about UT when they come up. But oh, for sure. uh, For sure. But 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 there's obviously there's just a difference with the fan that it's just like just the sheer don't talk to me. I'm a lot we're Longhorns and you're Texas Tech kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's that's the reason why we hate them so much. So it's 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 a true it's a true. um, uh, I don't know, like David versus Goliath thing with us. It's it's. it's absolutely arrogant is the number one word to yeah. describe the University of Texas. So. For sure. It, in the sheer size of it, just you get every single type of fan. It's just it's yeah. the largest in the country. So um, it's a wine and cheese fan base. That's what I always yeah. like to say. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, ain't, it ain't a Lone Star Long Neck fan base like Red the Red Raiders. I'll say that. If you don't love a Lone Star Long Neck, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me until I've had my morning Lone Star Long Neck. <laughs> Did you solve the riddle on your cap yet? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm stupid. No, I'm an idiot. I could. I had to look up every single one. But <laughs> all right, we've covered almost all of them. Let's end it off with West Virginia, kind of the oddball group of the Big 12, but also they fit in sneakily mm. well. They fit in better than TCU does. Yeah, they do. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's the worst part is they're the most disconnected from all of us. But they just seem like oddballs that are like us. They just, you know, they're big beer drinkers, big, big rowdy crowd um, that supports their team. You know, they, they even though they're the flagship of West Virginia, they seem to fit in more into a mold of like a Texas Tech or like an Iowa State more than anything. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's I, they seem to love their team and they seem to have a lot of fun. And I think it'd be great to go to a Tech Morgan Morgantown game. Oh yeah. No, Morgantown, uh, was, I, I went there, uh, during the 1920 football season and it was, um, uh, <laughs> not I, Morgantown is a college town. It's fun. There's bars and everything like that. Like the people are insane. Uh, I, I, I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy it all that much. Uh, just in terms of how it, how it looks and everything like that. Um, Morgantown, it's 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 all right. It's a college town. It's a little cool. tired. Yeah, it's a little yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, they're extremely rowdy. I would say us in West Virginia are the rowdiest fan bases of the Big Twelve. Um, they like they just go nuts, man, when their team wins, and uh, you know they talk mess just like we talk mess, uh, and they just can't accept that John Denver went to Texas Tech. So yeah, they they need to just understand. <laughs> Just get it, okay? Just, John Denver went to Tech. We'll bring it up every single time we play them, so, but we'll, we'll make sure they get it. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was cool. That was fun. Yeah, a little off-topic nonsense. Yeah, you know, it's just a little pod, a little pod uh, segment that we wanted to do here. Um, so I wanted to finish it off. I had a couple shouts out. Uh, one, uh, Marcus Santos Silva lost his father uh, yeah. this past week. Um, you know, a guy that, that really came into the Texas tech program and, uh, really showed and, and embraced the culture of Texas tech and his family did too, from what I've heard. Um, I, 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 from Mark Adams tweet, he, he passed from conversation or complications with COVID. So, um, you know, losing your father, I, I, I just can't imagine what, uh, he's going through right now, uh, what his family's going through. So, uh, really wanted to send prayers and thoughts, uh, to the Santos Silva family uh, and for Marcus and uh, just, you know, wish him all the best moving forward. Absolutely. God bless his family. That's rough. For sure. So uh, I did have one more shout out. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge retired from the NBA this past week, kind of suddenly um, he had, uh, he's had this heart issue for a long time, ever since when he was with Portland, I think his second year in the league, he got diagnosed with it. So uh 
he retired due to that same, he had some problems in one of the past games that he played. Uh, and so he just decided for his own health and his own safety to retire from the game of basketball. And as a big Spurs fan, you know, I'll always appreciate LaMarcus Aldridge for what he brought to San Antonio, obviously didn't get what he wanted uh, by coming to the Spurs. And that was because of one person and that's Kawhi Leonard uh, leaving the team. But uh, I really wanted to shout out LaMarcus because he brought us uh, to playoff contention through what should have been really rough times for us uh, during Manu's last year. He made it fun. Tony's last year, he made it fun. So shout out LaMarcus Aldridge. I know people are going to remember him as a blazer more than a spur, but I'll always appreciate him as a Spurs fan. So wish him a, a long and healthy rest of his life. Absolutely, man. It's, it's obviously a tough call in his position to do that. And I mean, good for him for knowing when to, when to hang it up. Yeah, for sure. You got a couple kids, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, re- you want to be there more importantly than, than potentially playing for a championship or whatever. Right. And he's always going to be overlooked or uh, yeah, overlooked because he never got that ring. He never got to the finals. He never did any of that, but he was a really, really good player for a lot of years in the NBA. So shout out LaMarcus Aldridge for a long and illustrious career. No doubt. No doubt, man. So, all right, but let's finish it off here with song of the week. Tristan, go ahead. I'm going to go with Kenny Chesney's Gulf Moon. I'm cheating the system because I want to do John Bauman's Gulf Moon, who wrote the song. But that's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's just a a really nice, slow, well-written song about the Gulf Coast being in Galveston. And it's just it's it puts you there. Whenever you're listening to it, it puts you there. And I think that's what's so magical about the song. So Gulf Moon, Kenny Chesney. It's dancing, it's probably time I pack it in with a glass half full of Jameson. Well, I was born to cruise, I might as well beneath the golf moon. That's one of my favorite Kenny Chesney songs of all time. And mm-hmm. it's not, and like you said, it's John Bauman's song. He wrote the song, but I, I, I like the Kenny Chesney version a little better. Um, I think he really adds kind of the, from his beachy kind of tone that he brings to his music, I think adds a lot to the song. It's a, it is a beautifully written song though. It's really, it's really fun. It's something that you just want to listen to when you're on the, on the beach or at the lake or whatever. So that's a good choice, man. Thank you. It's special when songs can transport you like that. Not very few can do that. So. Yeah, absolutely. So my song of the week is Lighters by Bad Meets Evil. That was the rap duo of Eminem and Royce to Five Nine when they collabed for their uh, one album. Uh, it's featuring Bruno Mars, too. It's a really good song, just really fun um, kind of energy. Bruno Mars sounds great in the chorus. Uh, I, I This is kind of a low-key album that I really enjoyed uh, from this duo. Uh, I think this is one of Eminem's better song so uh, that is my song of the week lighters and let it be known that from this day forward i want to just say thanks because your haters what gave me the strength to let them fix race because i came in five nine but i feel like i'm six eight. for you and me all right as always we got a weird mashup of songs bringing a variety to the playlist because i know i don't bring any so thank you so <laughs> much for for always mixing it up for us buddy you're all country, baby. You don't have to change your ways. <laughs> it's where my best uh, recommendations come from. I don't, I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, all right, let's finish it off. You can follow both me and Tristan on Twitter. Tristan is at Tristan Mick. I am at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez. The pod is on Twitter at Talking Tech Pod. Surprisingly, we're almost at 300 followers now. I mean, it's been blowing up. Our Twitter account has been blowing up lately. So we appreciate all y'all for giving us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we've been gaining a lot of listeners from that as well so we appreciate y'all uh tuning in you can follow our song of the week playlist it's both on spotify and apple music we're going to link that uh when we post this uh episode link to this episode on twitter uh and then as always you can send us your songs of the week send us general feedback send us whatever you want to talkintechpod at gmail.com so that's going to do it here for episode i think 37 we've been going at it for a while now man so always reckon tech reckon tech uh wow first of all uh got a lot of respect for steven and tristan 
uh, their program, tough guys, just uh, a lot of fun. I love the game of basketball, but also love West Texas, and I love... Steven and Tristan. I'm extremely proud. Well, I don't know where we go from here. I'm, I think I'm just going to sit back down. It's just not get any better than this. I just want to tell... Steven and Tristan. Thanks for coming out. The energy uh, was really, really good in there today. Uh, we fed off of it. I think it goes back and forth. But tremendous. Uh, great job and um, you know just just proud of our guys for the way they responded.